0: latest episode of Intersections, the Target Hub podcast. Um, as you may or may not know, it's been a few months since we last recorded a podcast, and we wanted to get a final session in under our belt. Um, you're probably not hearing this until after New Year's, um, but it is December 21st when we're recording it, and it's particularly relevant um, in terms of the date because Donald Trump was confirmed just two days ago by the Electoral College, Um, so that whole hubbub is is now over to some degree. Um, And it relates to the topic that we're going to discuss today, which is essentially how and why um, LGBTQ or queer marketing may or may not change in the coming year and years, uh, given the new atmosphere politically, socially, even economically, that I think we're all very aware of. Um, compared to the past eight years with Obama, marriage equality passing, et cetera. Um, and so with me to have this discussion is the Target 10 team. Um, there are five of us here in the room. Of course, I'm Matt Wagner, sorry for not having introduced myself before, um, but I'm the contractor here at Target 10. Um, and I'll actually just kind of let the rest of the guys go around and give quick introductions, and then we can jump into the discussion. I'm looking at Matt Tuminello first.
1: Oh, hello, I'm Matt Tuminello. Um, I, I run Target 10, um, and I live here in New York in Hell's Kitchen with uh, the rest of the gang. Yeah.
2: I'm Aaron. I'm the account executive here at Target 10. And basically, I support the account team on the, the projects and the clients that we're working on. I'm Danny Petrie. I'm a VP here at Target 10, and also the
3: father to the Target 10 mascot, Miles.
4: I'm Amanda Shai. I am the finance and operations manager for Target 10, um, which means I handle all the finances and all of the office management and operations. (laughs) Cool.
0: Well, thank you, guys. Um, And what's kind of fun is we have, as you might imagine, conversations about this sort of topic among various others quite frequently, and so we thought it might make sense to sort of condemn some of those thoughts we've been having into this podcast Um, again, just given how relevant all of this is at this current moment. So to kind of get back to what I was talking about in in the introduction, I think something we we do discuss frequently in the office is the fact that for the past eight years, um, there might have been some, um, a sense that, that, that what we needed to achieve was achieved when it comes to the LGBTQ community, socially, politically, marriage equality was passed. Um, a lot of great things happened. The, the mood of the country just seemed to be on the upswing in a, in a wide variety of ways. And so I think with the campaign of Trump and, and others like him, um, and of course the election, that has been very much thrown into a lot of doubt. Um, and I think a lot of communities, minorities, LGBTQ and many others feel a lot of trepidation over what things will be like starting on January 9th, is it? 20th. 20th? Okay. I gave him a couple of extra weeks. Um, but there's definite, definite sort of concern there. And so, from a marketing and advertising lens, as I think many of our listeners will be aware, there was a lot of, um, visibility for, uh, queer folks in, um, in marketing and advertising, on television, and movies, etc. Um, Trans folks had a huge um, sort of success in terms of the visibility of their movement. So I guess my first question to the team would be the degree to which you feel that this shifted political, or how you feel this political atmosphere shifting will affect um, sort of the visibility of LGBTQ folks really in any context I think media and or marketing and advertising since the two tend to feed off of one another in a lot of ways <laughs> and I'm not a teacher so I'm not going to call on anyone <laughs> because I absolutely <laughs> have you that to. space out
3: <laughs> well I think for the for the good I think it's re-energized people and I think it's stemmed any sort of complacency that might be in you know, out there. We have had so much progress, and it it's some, it is easy to sit back on our laurels, and I think that marketers will hopefully continue to embrace inclusiveness and diversity and targeted efforts that really uplift um, disenfranchised and, quite honestly, like scared communities. There's a lot of fear out there. I read some headlines today that talked about how people are more fearful in a Trump presidency than they were the day after the Pulse nightclub shooting. Which is a lot of fear, a lot of a lot of scared people out there, and a lot of uncertainty.
2: With that, LGBT people, mm-hmm. yeah. LGBT people. Well, and I think that we have we have made so much progress, especially in terms of like the institutional um, factors that affect LGBTQ people. And we, as a community, both our community and our allies, we really have to hold on to those things, knowing that. We're about to go into at least four years where our fearless leader is not going to be someone who is necessarily going to be fighting to maintain what
1: we have achieved, um, so kind of taking that on ourselves. I mean, I think also, <clears throat> we, I think we know it's going to change, I just don't think anyone has any idea how Um, much like this election every new day brings a new shock you know um, you just you kind of can't believe what comes across Twitter or the headlines but I did I was in a meeting yesterday and one thing happened that I thought was a little telling for me Um, and and I should preface this by saying I, I do think from the marketing end of things things will continue in the right direction it's just how fast or or in what ways do they change but I was in a meeting with um someone potentially to do business with and as they were describing the person was describing what they wanted to accomplish in this market and some of the initial strategies that they had thought through repeatedly was saying but you know we're not going to do anything political we're not going to do anything political and I haven't heard that term Um, you know in about eight years because there was always this fear of going against the presidency with your marketing and when Obama came into office we weren't going against the presidency we were in you know and when he came around to marriage equality we were very much in line with the presidency and I I found that telling because there's a lot of I think uh, non-LGBTQ marketers or people not in this space don't give it the deep thought that it needs because anything LGBTQ whether it's a gay basketball league, a queer company like Target 10, a gay knitting group is political. Everything is inherently political because we're either illegal or we're not. And I, that was, I wasn't able to convey that point at that lunch and that can be a deeper conversation. But um, kind of, I, I think people need to understand that from brand marketing, they don't need to go in direct opposition say of our president and take legislative stance necessarily to some degree but at the end of the day you're putting your your you know you you're basically saying we believe all people are equal and if you're supporting policies and laws and agendas that make them these people less so you know you, you kind of can't support that and maybe um, I'm making this a long answer but to, to sum it up maybe 12 years ago brands could get by by marketing to the community but not fully supporting our full equality overtly, I think today no one would stand for it. Um, if you're not submitting amicus briefs to Supreme Court hearings on the equality of marriage a couple of years ago, you're just not going to be able to market to us as a community.
4: That's that's kind of what I was thinking like to follow what Danny was saying and what you were saying is that last year, or in the last eight years, all the progress we've made, I think we kind of felt like we did it, and and we even had conversations after marriage equality like We're not done. There's still more to do. Let's not forget that. Um, So to your point on that. But then um, I think moving forward, it's going to make brands realize that because I feel like as soon as marriage equality passed, there was this feeling of like, well, we'll just throw a gay couple in an ad and that's our gay marketing, which actually hurts us because there's a lot more thought process behind that that a lot of people don't, you know, haven't studied, don't know because, you know, they're not my team. But um, I think you know, going forward, that now it's like, first of all, for people who are on the line and were scared to put any kind of gay couple in there, may go the other way, but anybody else who does has to realize you have to care about the community. The community doesn't care about you if you don't care about that. You don't, They don't want to be pandered to. We don't want to be pandered to, I guess is a better way to say that.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think something that's maybe even particularly interesting about the LGBTQ community is Unlike many of the other communities that are potentially feeling threatened or feeling concerned, we're a very diverse community because being kind of orientation-based or sometimes gender identity-based, the community is comprised of every conceivable ethnicity, nationality, race, etc. And so there is um, an intersectionality to the community that doesn't really quite exist anywhere near the way it does within our community community. In others, and so I think the point there is, and curious to hear if you guys have additional thoughts on this. We, there are people who have overlapping identities, um, you know, two, three, four, you know, more, and all of those are threatened, um, as opposed to you know being African American and feeling like you're under attack for that reason, which is certainly a valid reason unto itself. But if you're an African American gay man or an African American trans woman, it kind of really puts you in that double, triple threat. Category And um, to kind of put a positive spin on it, it makes you an interesting ambassador to that community of, you know, presumably majority straight people who can kind of help work with you to create um, whatever defense is needed or positioning um, as kind of this integrated force versus being in a a single-sided sort of community that is working together and, and may do very well together but doesn't have kind of the force of the like um coming at it from different perspectives and different identities. And so I wonder if that will actually help us, us being the LGBTQ community, and give us a voice that's um maybe stronger than our numbers um, as a result.
1: I completely agree with that because um some things that we've been hearing since the election that I think I've heard it in the political realm um, and I've heard it in the marketing realm um, where they talk about how at least the Democrats, they said, oh, they focus too much on this kind of, uh, they call it, you know, like boutique markets, um, like these special interests, these boutique markets. I found that really offensive to be considered a boutique, as, as if we're a luxury to be indulged, you know, um, and, uh, and that the, the Democratic Party had divided up they were so subdivided with every special interest that they didn't have a strong voice. Um, and the same could be said with marketing. Some people are like, oh, you know what, We've, we need to talk more about the everyday Joe. And then they forget all these special interests and trying to be a Benetton ad. And I actually flatly reject that. And I think it's really not informed because when you talk about intersectionality, Matt, I think what we are all going to find are um, non-majority populations Coming together with a singular voice saying, we're not going to be left out, we're not going to be rolled back, we're not going to be hurt. And I, while everyone has their own interests, I do think there is a kinship between these voices. And I think we're, we're going to find there's in the political world a lot of coming together as a one voice. It's not going to be 20 special interests, it's going to be a singular voice. In the marketing world, I think we're going to see an even stronger push for diversity and not, not a, um, hey, we're all the same diversity, but uh, hey, none of us are the same, and that's what makes us all similar. And we are non majority markets, and we're here. Uh, I think everybody just wants affirmation and to be recognized. I think that's the importance of political voice. I think it's important of uh, business and marketing voice, and most importantly for what we do at Target 10, I think the importance of consumer voice.
2: I do think that I. I completely agree with what you're saying, but I think that it'll take a bit of work to get there, particularly around the intersection with race and other identities. Um, you look at the election and the rate right, the, and there were you know plenty of of gay white men who went and voted for Trump. There were plenty of gay white women who went and voted for Trump. And really like it was these, these individuals who have a minority status in one way, but then have racial privilege that really elected him, and so for there to be a recognition of the other identities and how we're being impacted, not just by our race, but by our gender and our sexual identity and our you know, socioeconomic status, yada, 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 recognize those things and kind of move beyond just the racial label, because currently as it stands right now, in my opinion, that, that's really blinding a lot of people to what you're talking
1: about. Mm-hmm. I see that point. I would say that's certainly true for, say, the white gay men and women that voted for Trump. Um, I wonder how true that is for those who did not. Um, but I agree with you that if if we could get to such a lovely vision that I painted, it's not going to be tomorrow. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that,
3: that, you know, white, cisgender, you know, gay and lesbian people out there that are, those that are more tightly integrated into the LGBT community probably have an I got your back kind of, you know, spirit about them um, because I think their identity is more diverse than, than someone, and I I don't want to... sort of geographically segregate, but someone who might be living in a more normative world
1: that isn't seeing the diversity that the LGBT community has to offer. And I will say, just for context, it really doesn't change much, but a little bit of context. There were more um, LGBTQ people who voted for Romney in the last presidential election than there were who voted for Trump in this presidential election, but there were still a lot of people that voted for that Uh, administration whatever it represented to them Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and also to be fair you know not to turn this into a totally political discussion but um you know i think people who you know to acknowledge that we all as sort of new yorkers with white collar jobs where much it's much easier for us to to make decisions based on things like social rights political leanings as opposed to those perhaps who just really were focusing on what they felt Trump could bring them from an economic perspective regardless of orientation, and just sort of keeping in mind those other potential reasons for why, you know, even if we don't agree with them, they may have made that decision. Um, And actually, something just to kind of throw out there that I've I've always thought was interesting and I think has been proven in some of the the studies that we've done for clients and just our general observations, Um, and that is how, you know, just you think of the LGBTQ community as being very diverse, and I think within that community, there is, the community as a whole is diverse, but then within the community, there are definitely groups that hang together that are more homogeneous, but the one that I think um, is is very diverse, even kind of within the community in terms of hanging out with one another, is the drag community, which I think even actually just looking at it any of the seasons of Drag Race, you see a pretty wide variety, maybe even more than any other reality show. I say that not as a reality show viewer, so feel free to check me on that. (laughs) Check me, boo. But um, I think they're a really almost like shining example in a a certain way of what what it means to really kind of come together as a community bound by affinity and interests as opposed to, you know, what you think looks good or, or, you know... uh, who you want to be seen in a, in a photo with?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's totally true. That's really interesting, also. Yeah,
4: yeah I had not really thought about it. It's like the, the Mary uh, Cherry video that we that we posted. It's like uh, just this idea that this, this mother is talking about how she she wants to be around Mary Cherry and, and other drag leads that are reading to that they're reading to students at public libraries, just because she wants to raise her child in a world that. There's no judgment. There's no forced, like, gender on a child. There's also no um, forced opinion on. Just like getting, you know, getting children used to seeing anything and just being accepting and loving of anything. Like Mary Cherry said, you know, when I'm walking down the street, maybe even this child grows up, they won't look at me like I'm scary or weird or different. They'll just appreciate that I'm interesting. I think, which I thought was cool.
3: And I think that's a result of a, a millennial mother having a raising a child. Absolutely. I can only imagine. The children that Gen Zers will raise, yeah. and how, you know, what yes. how accepting and, and open they are to difference and embracing that.
0: Yeah, and Amanda's referring to um, a video on Vice, uh, Vice's Facebook page of um, the fact that there are libraries in New York and San Francisco, shopping that have. <laughs> um, that have uh, drag queen story hours, where drag queens will come to the New York to the public library and, and read children's books to to the collective group. Um, they, they don't read the children, though. They don't read the children. <laughs> unless they act up. Not that we know. <laughs> yeah, that would be actually an even more fun segment. <laughs> um, well, maybe to get a little bit back, um, back more to sort of marketing, I'm curious to know what you guys think. Um, in terms of just the role that brands and companies will play um, in the coming year and year, maybe just focusing on next year for now. I know we talked a little bit about sort of, you know, Matt, you were in this meeting where they were saying um, they wanted to avoid being political. We've been in other meetings where we've heard that companies' posture may not be kind of flagging when it comes to these issues. Um, What is your prediction for sort of the level of visibility um, that LGBTQ of any type, gay, lesbian, bi, trans, etc., even gender fluid would count, I think, in this situation, will be um, maybe more in marketing and advertising than media because I think there is uh, more um, scrutiny placed on marketing
1: and advertising from a kind of internal
0: perspectives?
1: I think it's going to keep going in a positive direction i think the trajectory is going to continue from where we were on you know the the beginning of november um, versus the after november i think it'll, it'll change a little bit but in general i it think it's positive direction because i think when you're talking about the socioeconomics before i i really do think that's what was driving a lot of this uh these election results versus um Certainly, for some, but versus some strong opposition to uh, how our society is changing, and like you're saying, Danny, like Gen Z and millennials, they just they want a different world, and so I, I mean, I guess I'm hopeful, but I do think that companies and marketers have always been um, out ahead of politics and separate from politics, and I think, or at least government, and I think what they'll do is to continue to more clearly see. Uh, what America looks like and they know they need to reflect that and speak to it in their advertising to be authentic and in our business like the the word authentic is probably the most overused word but I mean if that's truly what they're seeking and I do think it is then they're, they're going to have to continue in this direction so I mean I'm, I'm heartened by that fact and I do think it's a little reality it'll certainly change maybe it'll not be quite as fast but I don't see any sort of going backwards it's more at what speed will it continue yeah i think that that, i i
2: would completely agree i mean when you think about the fact that the millennial population is so you know they're up and coming and will be like the the big buyers here in a few years and they're being raised in a world where they have gay friends they have black friends they have they have friends who identify as non-binary and all over the gender spectrum and we are accustomed to a world of diversity and on top of that, we're accustomed to seeing that diversity being reflected in marketing and advertising because we're lucky enough to have been raised in a time when that was accepted and, and really gaining a lot of momentum and I think that to take a step back, people my age, the millennial population and people younger than that will will have a really hard time feeling any kind of connection to a brand because it will be so opposite of the entire their entire frame of reference
0: yeah i I, I would agree with that, and I think also something that speaks to to that is the way. So many companies um, of all different stripes responded to um, the HB2 law in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the short story there being that when this discriminatory law was was kind of in process, you know, everything from sports conferences to tech companies to I think even Disney pop possibly I can't recall exactly, but there was just a, a pretty wide. Um, selection of, of industry leaders, like real leaders, we're not even talking about, you know, mom and pop shops who said essentially if this continues, we're going to either not continue with plans to do business here or if we're already doing business here, see reduce or cease operations. And I think that was, I was struck by how intense that reaction was, you know, in a positive way.
1: That's one place where I actually might that's one place where I think we might see some not so great things or at least complete inaction because when all of those companies stepped up, like you were saying, Matt, it was was really amazing. I mean, I think all of us were really blown away. Um, But we had the full support of a president and an attorney general who were saying, this is wrong, this must change. Everyone was saying, this is wrong, this must change. We now have a vice president who was like, the the godfather of religious freedom laws, and he created it in Indiana, and they're pushing this nationwide. So the religious freedom laws... I would be very curious if the CEO of a Fortune 100 company would be so eager to go on the record in opposition of a vice president knowing that that person could become the target of a Twitter barrage at 4 a.m. that sends stock prices plunging. I mean, I just... I. That's the one place I'm just kind of like, we're going to continue in a positive direction, but like, if we just don't, it's all those unknowns. We just don't know. I don't think Trump is personally all that interested in, in queer issues. I think Pence is very much interested in queer issues. And if Trump pays it no mind and doesn't give him a lot of oxygen to feed that fire, then good. If he does, I think companies will be very leery to go against Mr. Pence. Um, like um, a-, a... la Hamilton episode type of a thing. I definitely
3: encourage progressive companies to, to be our champion. And, but I think that's, that's like the political, political side of things from a marketing side of things. You know, I don't think a company being inclusive of LGBT people or diversity in general is going to offend, you know, my, my best friend's brother who happened to vote for Trump. I think he expects it. I mean, I'm invited to their housewarming and their kids' birthday parties. I'm not different to them. But there's, a, there's definitely a, a base out there that voted for a different reason than to be hateful and discriminatory. And so I think that companies out there should be continuing to drive diversity and inclusion um, and targeted efforts that really do support the community on a, on a community level, um,
1: because I don't think the majority of Americans will be offended by that. We've also seen companies speak very loudly about this from a non marketing perspective, but recruiting, you know, they can't get the best talent if they're living in a state that maybe is in opposition to the company's values, but it's that's the state they happen to be based in. Um, so, you know, that, that's an issue. Yeah.
0: Well, on that positive note, I think that about sums up our, um, our discussion for today, unless anyone has any final thoughts.
4: My only final thought is that I just kept thinking as we were saying, and this is not really... Uh, point other than when we talk about how blown away we were and how brave people were I just look forward to the day when it's like that's just normal it's not that a company was being brave or um, you know or in any whatever their motive was it's just that it's like we don't even notice to comment on it that's Mm -hmm. that's what I keep thinking yeah
0: Well, that's an even more positive note to end on. Thank you, Amanda, for that. Um, One other final just sort of housekeeping note I'll make is um, I was thinking I want to do a show at some point that has audience questions. So if anyone has a question or a topic suggestion, please um, encourage you to email me um, at M-W-A-G-N-E-R at Target-10.com. That's M-Wagner at Target10.com. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.